Well, hey there, guys. On today's episode of the John Campy Show, we're going to talk about Daniel Radcliffe talking about why he won't play Wolverine. We've got Jeff Goldblum possibly joining the cast of Wicked. Should movie theaters bring back the idea of an intermission? Of course, Henry Cavill is no longer going to be in The Witcher. Black Adam wins the box office again, but not impressively. A brand new Willow trailer is out, and it looks really good. House of the Dragon won't be back till 2024. So much to talk about. The John Campy Show starts right now. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie-related show on the planet Earth, The John Campus Show, coming from right here on my YouTube channel, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around to talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV streaming, all sorts of good stuff. We got a full house in here today, sitting over here, Robert Meyer Burnett. Beside him, we got uh, Chris Carr. Over here, we got Taylor Gonzalez. Jonathan Boyko, you think I'm going to get over this whistle? I'm not. I it's all show. Not. We got Jonathan Boyko on the show. And right beside him, of course, is Kaylee Robinson. I didn't get a whistle. How you doing, everybody? Good to have you here. Happy Halloween to everybody. I hope you guys have a fun night planned ahead of yourselves. If you're going out partying, whatever, make sure you use the designated driver. Be safe. Don't be a fucking idiot. That would be great. All right. Lots of things for us to cover here today, so here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to break it down into two parts. The first half of the show, we're going to talk about some predetermined topics. In the second half of the show, we're going to take your live comments and questions. Now, to get a live comment or question on, number one, you got to be watching live. Number two, when we get to the end of the main topics, we'll announce that we're opening up the Super Chats, and that will be your cue to fire in your thoughts, theories, opinions, and questions that we will address in the second half of the show. Also, a little bit of housekeeping. want to remind you that if you need an audio-only version of the John Campia Show, Good news, there is the John Campia Show podcast. Just go on to your favorite podcasting app of choice, search for it, and subscribe to it today so it'll be there when you need it. All right, everybody. With that down, we got a bunch of things that we need to get to here today. So we've got a couple of off the tops, and we're going to start them with this. You know, one of the shows that I am ridiculously looking forward to is the Batman spinoff, Penguin. What Colin Farrell did in The Batman is absolutely crazy. We all thought it was really weird that they hired him as Penguin. And then we saw the still images and we were like, okay, that looks awesome. But again, why? But then you saw his performance and we're like, oh my God, he owned this. And now they're doing an HBO spinoff series, The Penguin, which is great. And we just got some casting news. Actress Kristen Milioti has been cast to play Sophia Falcone who is going to play, of course, the daughter of the main mob boss from the Batman movie. Now, she has been really hot lately. She's got that uh, Amazon series, The Resort, that's done really, really well for yeah. her. Uh, she was also in, I just was looking at it here a second ago. That's right. She was also in uh, the uh, Palm Springs, which everybody really liked. Really like that. She's really good in Made for Love, which is one of those shows that my wife is absolutely addicted to. So she's on a bit of a roll right now. So I love that they're bringing her. And of course, they had the Sophia Cal uh, Falcone character in the Fox Gotham series as well. It was an all right character there. But I think they can do a lot of really, really good things with this. It's just another sign of this show rolling forward. I'm so excited for it. Rob, you hear about her casting in this. What do you think? I think it's great. I mean, uh, clearly she looks the part, and um, I, you know I really liked her in Palm Springs. I thought Palm Springs was quite good. Actually, love Palm Springs. That was really good, mm -hmm. right? And she was good in it. So you know, look, I think that 
they're going top drawer with this Penguin show the same way they did with the Batman movie. I would expect that this carries on the same level of quality. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be, I don't say it's going to be Sopranos level, but I would expect nothing less from HBO. Well, and, and a lot of times we talk about this a lot, the fact that a lot of people will have a producer credit on things and really they're not doing anything. Matt Reeves is actually meticulously overseeing every step of the script yeah. development. He's given complete supervision to this project. While he's not directing the episodes themselves, he is directly in charge of it. So I think you know that quality level, that tone, that atmosphere that he brought us in the Batman, I think they're going to carry it over here. And I love the fact that they're keeping the Falcone family in this because it's hard to do a story about Gotham without the Falcones in there. Anyway, Chris, you hear about this. What do you think? I love this. Kristen is such a talented actress and so nice. Um, I loved her from this show uh, called A to Z that got canceled. I thought she was just so charming on it. And I'm so excited to see her in more stuff. She's wonderful. Her Black Mirror episode is one of my favorites, too. I think this is going to be excellent. And to y'all's point, too, this is going to be a great top tier show. And they're assembling a wonderful cast. You know, we're going to explore that Gotham crime belly. And I think she's going to fit in really well. All right, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? The Penguin just added a new cast. We've got our Sophia Falcone now. Do you like the casting? Do you not? Have you been excited for this show? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, let's do one more off the top, and that one is this. You know, I don't know how it started. I don't know if, Rob, you're the one who started it. I don't know if... Uh, Taylor started it. I don't know if my wife started, but there have been whispers and rumblings going around. Now that Hugh Jackman is coming back to play Wolverine one more time in the upcoming Deadpool 3, it has sparked more speculation about, well, who's the new Wolverine going to be? You know, I myself love the idea of Zac Efron. I think he would be a great Wolverine, but there's been a lot of whispers and a lot of talk about Daniel Radcliffe possibly being Wolverine. By the way, his new movie, Weird, the Al Yankovic story, I believe is coming out in the next week or two on the Roku app, which you don't need a Roku to watch, by the way. You can download the Roku app on other platforms as well. You must watch this movie. It is fantastic. So watch it the moment you get a chance. But Daniel Radcliffe stars as Weird Al Yankovic. He's fantastic. But he's also got several scenes in the movie where he's shirtless. And oh my God, this guy's on Hugh Jackman's workout out because he's ripped and he's getting quite big too. So the whispers are going around a lot that Daniel Radcliffe, and I know you are a full proponent of this idea of Daniel Radcliffe being Wolverine. Uh, look, I think it's a good idea. Taron, Taron Egerton as well. I, I mean, and, and Taron Egerton, yeah, it's a good choice. And, as well. and, and people say that, look, Wolverine's five feet tall. I mean, mm-hmm. in the comics. Yep. That's why Colossus can throw him as a fastball special. Well, he could throw him anyway. He is Colossus. Well, it's true, but it, it would just be harder to throw a 6'4 guy like sure. Hugh Jackman. But I, I look, I think that that going younger and and going with somebody like uh, a Daniel Radcliffe, because, look, he puts on a little bit of facial hair, puts on a gruff voice. Well, I mean, don't get your hopes too high. I know. Because Daniel Radcliffe has shot those rumors down. He is not going to be Wolverine. Uh, he said the following. He said, it's purely a press tour rumor. I say something, then occasionally I get bored of answering it the same way, so I say something different, then it sets it off again. I should just never open my mouth, he recently told GQ in an interview. Uh, being easily identifiable by a role is something Radcliffe knows can be difficult to shake off. Obviously, he was Harry Potter. 
And that's why he says he doesn't ever want to get locked into something that I am not sure I will be able to love the same amount the whole time. Listen to that again. This is why Daniel Radcliffe says he's really not into the idea of doing comic book film. He said he doesn't ever want to get locked down into something that I'm not sure that I will be able to love the same amount the whole time. Now, Daniel Radcliffe and a lot of actors have been in successful roles that they kind of get typecast for. But literally, Daniel Radcliffe was in a top three or four most popular movie franchise ever and grew up in it. He was literally a child when he started and then an adult when he finished. And so he knows all about how the the mustache uh, glue is starting to come loose. He literally grew up in that. He knows all about that. And he's asking himself, do I want to go through that again? even if it's something different. And he also went on to talk about how he loves the flexibility of doing smaller indie projects. He's doing really well with it. He continues to cash millions of dollars in checks every month just from residuals of Harry Potter. So it's not like the dude needs the money. Maybe it's an interesting approach for him. So don't expect to see Daniel Radcliffe as Wolverine anytime soon. Anyway, Chris, Mm -hmm. you hear Daniel Radcliffe turning down the rumor. How do you feel about that in general? But also, what do you think about his rationale as well? I mean, I understand that, especially growing up in the spotlight and having, you know, his formative years on set. I understand that mentality of being really choosy with your projects. He's also really taken, and, and I know they get confused for each other sometimes too, he's taken an Elijah Wood approach to his career as well, of picking really interesting different projects that separate him from his Harry Potter identity. Um, I think Wolverine would do that as well, but I can understand not signing on to a several film deal once again. I really wish he'd do it because I would love him as Logan. I think he'd be great. Dude's been jacked for years. And yeah, he's the right height. I think that'd be great. Rob, what do you think about this? I mean, look, I understand where he's coming from, but he might be lying. You know, Andrew Garfield wasn't going to be in Spider-Man No Way Home. Exactly. I'm just kidding. He's not lying. Um, I I, I think that, that, look, in this day and age, there is a real um, there is a real danger of actors being typecast. And he, I think, what he's done post Harry Potter, whether he's doing all going all nude on Broadway for Equus, mm-hmm. or whether he was playing a corpse in in uh, Swiss Army Man, Swiss Army Man, or whether he's now doing uh, Guns Akimbo, or or I mean horns horns. I I really liked him in horns. I think he's really managing his career well. Because he's turned into a chameleon. And the Weird Al movie, like you said, he proves his comedic chops. He's so good. I mean, I haven't seen the the film. He's so good in it. The trailers and the clips I've seen, he's a master at comedy. And he was a master at comedy in Swiss Army Man, too. So I think he's to play Wolverine. And then he, I understand why. What's he going to do? Play it like Hugh Jackman for 21 years? You know, now 25 years when, when, when Deadpool 3 comes out? I can get that. I can understand that he doesn't want to jump right into something like that all right guys question is for you what do you think about this if you had dreams of daniel Radcliffe being the new wolverine they have been shattered but more interestingly what do you think about his rationale about saying look i just i've done the whole thing before i don't want to be locked into any sort of a role again that for a longer period of time that i don't know that i'm going to love five years from now the way i do now sounds pretty level-headed to me what do you guys think about that jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts Okay, guys, with that down, Kaylee, what do we got up next? Next up is our Mint Mobile hotline question of the day. Feel free to call in and let your voice be heard on the show. The number is 951-268-4259. And today's question is from Jordan. He's asking about Jeff Goldblum being in Wicked. Hi, John and gang. Big fan of the show. My name is Jordan. I'm a working musical theater actor. 
According to Playbill.com, Jeff Goldblum is in final talks to play the Wizard of Oz in the upcoming Wicked film, starring Cynthia Rivo and Ariana Grande. Are you familiar with the musical? Have you and your wife ever seen the stage show live? This is not the casting choice I was expecting, but I actually think it's kind of brilliant considering Jeff Goldblum can be comedic, quirky, and even dark at times. Let me know your thoughts. Cheers. All right. Now, I myself have never gone and watched Wicked. Never seen it. My wife has gone to see it a couple times. She adores it. I've talked to several other friends who have seen Wicked and absolutely love it. For those of you who don't know, Wicked is basically a prequel to The Wizard of Oz. It's looking at how did the Wicked Witch of the West become what she was. And, and you know, and of course we got uh, Cynthia Rebo was cast in it. Ariana Grande was cast in it. Cool. Jeff Goldblum as the Wizard of Oz. Now look, I don't, Again, I haven't seen this thing. I haven't seen the stage show, so I don't know what the, the iteration of that character is supposed to be like. But you know, Jeff Goldblum's a musician. He does concerts. He's a music man. He knows his stuff. And look, I know that Jeff Goldblum has kind of become a caricature of himself. He's got a certain shtick that he does, but I don't care. For me, the shtick works. It's like the Kevin Hart thing like everybody's been waiting for kevin hart shtick to get really old and overplayed and tired but you know what every time kevin hart's in something i watch it and it works for me completely jeff goldblum is like that to me he's a master and the idea of him being a, a, a wizard that to me <laughs> is fantastic i listen i haven't been interested in this the mustache isn't gonna last much longer i have not been interested in wicked at all because i've never seen the show but this has suddenly got me fascinated by this. Rob, you hear about the possibility of Jeff Goldblum playing it? What do you think? Uh, look, I've loved Jeff Goldblum ever since. Was it in Annie Hall? He says he's lost his mantra. Uh, that was in 1977. So I, I've, I, I'm a huge Jeff Goldblum acolyte. I love the guy. Uh, I'll watch him in anything. And I think this is good casting because, like you said, he's the grandmaster. He's a song and dance He man. is the grandmaster. He, he can do anything. And, and I think – I do think – that his telltale persona, because we've seen a lot of him off camera. Well, I mean, he's on camera, but off screen. But I do think when called upon, he is a directable actor. And you can make him, you know, do whatever you want him to do. And I, I think he's going to be great in this role. By the way, did you ever see, you know how Chris Hemsworth did those shorts on YouTube with Daryl as his roommate? Yeah. Have you seen the one where Jeff Goldblum moves in with Daryl? <gasps> As the Grandmaster. Have you, no. have you not seen that one? Yeah. Oh, I know what I'm doing on the break. Yeah, so Thor moves out and yeah. Grandmaster moves in with Daryl, mm -hmm. which, of course, one of the best parts about Thor, Love and Thunder is that I didn't catch it the first time I saw the movie. When I watched it the second time, it's like, oh, my God, that's Daryl. Daryl was actually in the movie. So that was one of the great things about that movie. Anyway... Chris, you hear about this? What do you think? Have you ever, number one, is anybody in here, have you seen Wicked? Of course yes. I've seen okay, Wicked. Okay, what do you think about Joe oh, Goldblum a musical theater this? nightmare. Me yeah. Me oh, I, I've seen it in the West End. I've seen it on Broadway. Um, I missed out on seeing it with the original cast, which really, really bummed me out. Yes. Um, I'm really excited Were about you this. you born yet? What? Yes, you sweet, sweet man. Why are you buttering me <laughs> up like that? Um, you know, I'm me and butter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I no stop stop this conversation right now and please don't mean anything. Yep. So 
I think this is really, really great casting. This uh, was originated by Joel Gray, was the original wizard yeah. in the show. Um, and I think Jeff Goldblum is a really, really smart choice. The wizard is a very layered character where his kind of persona works very well for how he is seen by the people of Oz. Um, I think it's going to be a really, really fun turn for him. He is a song man. He does great jazz shows here in L.A. Um, wonderful pianist. They're great. Those are great yeah. shows. And He's you, incredible. Anybody can go see him. Yeah. Mm. He just does pop-ins places, too. And he'll be like, I'm just going to play at this restaurant tonight. It's wonderful. Um, I think it's going to be really, really, really fun. And this gets me even more excited about this movie. Brigham loved Jeff Goldblum. That was one of my first crushes. Kaylee, mm. are you, uh, I'm oh. hearing your reaction. Are you a wicked girl? Yes, I am. I saw it on Broadway uh, one time for Christmas with my family. And when it got to the last Defying Gravity, that's right before they break for intermission, I was like sitting there still like in awe, tears coming down my face. Like, I'm obsessed with it. It's the most iconic wicked. note in musical it theater. Is, uh, it's, uh, Love it. <laughs> All right, guys. Question is wow, for you. you. What do you think? Have you seen the show Wicked? I have not, but I love the addition of Jeff Goldblum anyway. Do you like the addition of Jeff Goldblum to this? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. Before we move on here, we're going to take a second and thank one of the sponsors of our show today, one of our original sponsors here on the John Campus Show, the great folks over at Stamps.com. We want to thank a sponsor of today's episode, Stamps.com. Guys, it happens every holiday season. No matter how prepared we think we are for the season, it always turns out we're nowhere near as prepared as we thought we were, especially with our shipping. And right about now, seasonal excitement, or dread as the case may be, is really starting to settle in, especially for small businesses. Slaying through traffic to the post office? Inboxes more like a blizzard than a winter wonderland? Rushing to send cards and gifts to your loyal clients? The good news is it's not too late to get your holiday mailing and shipping under control with Stamps.com. Sign up now and you'll be printing your own postage in minutes. Because Stamps.com is your one-stop shop for all of your shipping and mailing needs. Get access to the United States Postal Service and UPS services that you need to run your business right from your computer. Up to 86% off. So this holiday season, trade late nights for silent nights and get started with Stamps.com today. Sign up with promo code Campia for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter the code Campia. And thank you to our friends at Stamps.com for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. Guys, using Stamps.com couldn't make anything easier. It's absolutely amazing. Make sure you check them out. As a matter of fact, remember, guys, when you support our sponsors, you're actually supporting us. So go down to the description of this video. You'll see right at the top links to all of our sponsors and the promo codes. And again, thank you to Stamps.com. All right. I can't. I can't. It's not going to stay on anymore. It's about to fall off. So I'll it. Actually. <laughs> that, was, that was fake. There we go. Okay. It so, did look good, though. So it is now time. It's game time. We're going to oh. play a little game, a game we haven't played in a little while, a little game of Over Under. Uh oh. Here's how Over Under works, guys. We are going to bring up a question and give a baseline number. And then our contestants, who is, of course, going to be Rob, Chris, and Kaylee, they will guess if the, the real number is either over the given number or under the given number. They will, of course, hold up their little pallets showing whether they're going over and under. Of course, Taylor will keep score. And then whoever, by the end of seven rounds, has the most points wins. Are you guys ready for over or under? No. Ready. All right. Here <laughs> we go. Affirmative. Question number one. How many people does Black Adam kill in the movie Black Adam? 
over or under 95? How many people does Black Adam kill in the movie Black Adam over or under 95? Hold up your pallets in three, two, one. Rob is saying over. Chris and Kaylee are saying under. And the answer is over. IGN estimates that in the movie, Black Adam kills a minimum of 150 people. Lots of killing for Black Adam. There's your hero, kids. <laughs> and they're, every single one of those Some people kills need killing, though. was super yeah. entertaining. All right. So Rob's in the lead Jesus. here. We move on to round number two. In the original Star Wars, how many rebel ships attacked the Death Star in the final battle? Over or under 40.5. In the original Star Wars, how many rebel ships attacked the Death Star in the final battle? Over or under 40.5. Hold up your pallets in three, two, one. Okay, so everybody is saying under, and the answer is under. An Imperial officer tells Darth Vader that the Death Star is being attacked by 30 rebel ships. So well done. Everybody gets a point there, so everybody's on the board. All right. We move on to round number three. How many movies did Chris Evans appear in as Steve Rogers? Over or under 10.5? How many movies did Chris Evans appear as Steve Rogers? Over or under 10.5? And your answers in three, two, one. Kaylee's saying over. Chris and Rob are saying under. And the answer is over. Chris <gasps> Evans it. appears in 11 movies as Steve Rogers, including. Uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, Winter Soldier, Civil War, Avengers, Age of Ultron, Infinity War, Endgame, Spider-Man Homecoming, because he's in that PSA. Yeah, with his AC Slater stance. Thor 2, where Loki turns into him, Ant-Man in the post-credit scene, and Captain Marvel in the post-credit scene. So, Kaylee gets the point there, which I believe makes it a two-way tie for first. What's the scores right now, Taylor? Uh, Robin and Kaylee are tied at two each, and then Chris has one. All right. So that was what? Question number three? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now we move into question number four. The first Minions movie made over $1.1 billion at the box office. But how much did it make on its opening weekend? Over or under $125 million. The first Minions movie made over $1.1 billion at the box office. How much did it make on its opening weekend? Over or under $125 million. And your answer is in three, two, one. Rob and Kaylee are saying under. Chris is saying over. And the answer is under. In 2015, Minions made $115 million in its opening weekend and still went on to gross over a billion dollars. All right. So that was question number four. We've got three questions left. And we move on to the next question, which is question number five. How many Emmys did Steve Carell win for playing Michael Scott in The Office? Over or under 1.5. How many Emmys did Steve Carell win for playing Michael Scott in The Office? Over or under 1.5. And your answer in three, two, one. Rob is saying over. Chris and Kaylee are saying under. And the answer is under. Steve Carell was nominated six times for playing Michael Scott, but never won. Yes, they didn't have the winner one year, yeah. so Steve, uh, Steve Colbert up. and John Stewart were like, we're just going to give it to our friend Steve, and then they gave him the award it was and hilarious. ran off. It was right. awesome. But officially, Steve Carell, it's crazy never to think, won. for mm-hmm. In the Office, he never won the Emmy yep. for leading the comedy. Pretty All right. Base won that year. Where you know who that? does take the lead? 
Kaylee takes yeah, the lead. So what is you. the score now? <laughs> All right. So we have Kaylee in the lead with four points. Then we have Rob with three. And Chris is in last place with two points. Why do you always make it so tragic well, that like I'm in last place? I just like to rub whoever's in last place. <laughs> yeah, David. <laughs> Ew. And Ray's at home with zero. <laughs> Ray's at home with zero. Oh All right. We move now into what's this? Question number six. All right. Question number six. How many Emmys did Game of Thrones season eight Win. Of course, we just had the end of uh, House of the Dragon season one. But how many Emmys did the Game of Thrones season eight win over under 10.5? Over under 10.5 Emmys. And your answer in three, two, one. Rob is saying over. Kaylee and Chris are saying under. And the answer is over. The eighth and final season of Game of Thrones took home 12 Emmys that year, including Best Series and Peter Dinklage's fourth win for Best Supporting Actor in that series. All right. So that means heading into the final question, Kaylee and Rob are all tied up. Uh, Chris is still playing spoiler here, but we move into our seventh and final question. Our seventh and final question is, on the 2017 domestic box office chart, did Wonder Woman finish over or under Spider-Man Homecoming? On the 2017 domestic box office chart, did Wonder Woman finish over Spider-Man Homecoming or under Spider-Man Homecoming? And your answer in three, two, one. Rob is saying under. Chris and Kaylee are saying over. And the answer is over. Uh Wonder Woman finished in third spot on the domestic box office chart that year with 412 million, while Spider-Man finished in fifth spot with 334 million, which means for the second time in a row, Kaylee Robinson is our winner with her first over (laughs) under game. Congratulations, Kaylee. And to you guys at home, how did you guys do? I'm seeing a bunch of people saying they got three out of six. Uh, Some people are, well, which is weird because there were seven questions, but some people (laughs) saying they got five out of seven. Well done, everybody. And congrats. Kaylee is like challenging right now. Kaylee got two wins in a row. All right, guys. Thanks so much for playing along with us. And now... Let's move into our main topics here today, shall we? And how do we select our main topics on the John Campy Show? Well, that's easy. You guys come up with our main topics. See, whenever you guys come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we must cover as a main topic on the show, just go anytime, 24-7, over to www.thejohncampyshow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campia Show. With that down, Kaylee, what is our first main topic today? John, our first main topic comes from Shahan Narsaying. Hey, John, was wondering now with runtimes of movies like Avatar, Wakanda Forever, and Babylon touching three hours, should cinemas now consider intermissions? Here in India, we have had intermissions since ages. And for long movies, it really helps getting the popcorn topped up and washroom usage. Why won't the U.S. adapt intermissions? And do you think it's high time they should? John, do you remember intermissions like in the in the 90s? I still remember they were happening like early 2000s. Do you think we should bring them back? I was only ever in one or two movies, I think, that had an intermission. Okay. And you guys will know that I have been an advocate of the idea of bringing intermissions back. Uh, not for all movies, though. Not, not for all movies. I think there should be a time thing like if a movie clocks in at over two hours and 30 minutes 
that theater should implement an intermission. And with the news coming out the other day that there are reports going around that both Babylon, the new Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie film, and the new Avatar 2 are both going to clock in at over three hours, it's bringing up this discussion again. And like you pointed out, there are other countries in the world that are already much further ahead than us because they already do have intermissions. I mean, it reminds me a lot about when the U.S. was like the last kid on the bus when it came to getting pre-assigned seats at movie theaters. It's like for years I would scream about that. It's like, we are. why are we living in the dark ages? Why do I have to get in line at the movie theater for two hours for the movie just to hopefully get a good seat? Anyway, but we eventually caught up, and I hope we eventually catch up with countries like India when it comes to having an intermission. Now, I would propose there are a couple of there are several big, big advantages to having an intermission. So to look at those advantages, let's go over to the Campia classroom here for a second. All right. So as we're looking at intermission, I think one of the first big advantages for an intermission is, of course, a bathroom break. Now, that might sound silly, but the reality is this. When you're talking about a movie, it's going to be two hours and 45 minutes, three hours long. And listen, most people will go to the concession stand, get themselves a big soda and, and or other types of drinks, maybe a topped up on a few adult beverages before you went in. Look, a lot of people got to run use the bathroom in the span of three hours. The nice thing about an intermission is that number one, it means you as the bathroom goer, you don't need to miss any of the movie because that sucks when you're sitting there. It's like, okay, I either have to choose to save my bladder from exploding or I have to miss out some of this movie, right? That's a choice you shouldn't have to make. So if you know that at some point there's going to be a bathroom break, great. But for everybody else in the theater, you don't get to be bothered with these people getting up and down and walking in front of you to run to the bathroom because there is a scheduled bathroom break. I love that. The second advantage is, is phones. I hate people pulling out their phones in theaters. I hate it. Just the light coming on and causing whatever. But a lot of people are so fucking attached to their phones now they can't go five minutes without checking what's the latest on twitter you know what's elon how's elon musk screwing up the world now like all that kind of stuff love your tesla by the way elon anyway so one of the great things about something like an intermission is that it gives these idiots a scheduled time that listen don't worry about it. you're gonna get a you're gonna get a break where you can actually go out in the foyer and check your phone to your heart's content and i think it'll now while it won't stop everybody I think having something like this will cut down on the amount of phone distractions in a theater. I, I think it's a really good idea. Also, food. Listen, love it. The idea, listen, when you're sitting, you might be fine when a movie starts, but an hour and a half passes, you might be getting a little peckish. You might want a little snack. Well, you got a choice. I can either not get to satisfy my craving or I have to miss some of the movie. Well, now you've got a point where you can do both. And again, just like the advantage with bathroom breaks, you don't have people getting up and walking in front of you, wanting to go and get their stuff. You're all covered. So you They'll got still your do stuff. it. What's that? They'll still do Some it. Some will still, just like the phone thing. Some will still, but I think it will reduce the overall thing. Also, just uh, fatigue. Just fatigue. <laughs> fatigue is just like it gives you a break from the movie for a moment. Now, what I will often hear from some people, and I, I find this laughable, when I get into this discussion about the idea of an intermission during a movie, you will inevitably find, and there are lots of good reasons against it, there are a lot of good arguments against it, there are, but there's this one that always comes up that is not a good argument, which is, it, just, it pulls me out of the movie 
I, I, I can't, just, my, I'm, my immersed experience with the film is, shut up. When you're at home watching something, you hit pause on your TV 15 times. You I run to never. the kitchen, you run to the bathroom, you answer the door, you do, you pause it for a second. It's like, so don't give me that. You're not a moron, okay? It's not like, wait a minute, but the movie stopped. Oh, I can't remember where we were. Oh, now I can't enjoy the movie. No, give yourself more credit than that. You are more intelligent than that. You can handle that. So while there are legitimate reasons that work against these pros, there will be some legitimate cons. That one I reject out of hand. I completely reject that well, one. Plus, because these are these are typically edited. If it's going to have an intermission, these are cut with an intermission, and so it's a it's a story break. Yeah, but that brings up a key important thing: that if you're going to do an intermission, you can't just say, "Well, the minute the movie's three hours long, so at one hour and thirty minutes on the nose, it doesn't matter what's going on in the movie, <laughs> the screen goes black." And we go, let's all go to the lobby. No, 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 right? You've got to make sure you have a technician that looks and says, okay, here's a good spot to break. Where maybe it's a little bit shy of the halfway mark. Maybe it's a little bit over the halfway mark. You have to find a good legitimate spot. You can't just be in the middle of the airport fight sequence in Captain America Civil War. And then all of a sudden, Spider-Man is wrapping up Ant-Man's legs. All of a sudden, the screen goes black. So you got to make sure you have somebody who actually finds a good spot to have a quick break in there. But listen, there are drawbacks to it as well, but I really think an intermission for movies like over two and a half hours long, I think the benefits far outweigh the negatives. And, and this is a long ongoing thing. And now that we've got more and more movies coming out that are flirting with that three hour mark, I think it's a good idea. Anyway, Chris, mm -hmm. the, the concept of an intermission, I don't even know if you've ever been to a movie that had an intermission, but no. What do you think about the idea for longer movies? And we would have like intermissions at drive-ins. Um, I'd go to those in Tom Ball, but yeah, it was between the two films, and yeah. that made sense to me. I think this makes sense in a financial way for movie theaters because we all know concessions is where they all actually make their money, not in ticket sales. Mm -hmm. So I think this is a really great way to inject more money into the theater itself. I don't know if I like the actual idea of this though, because I am one of those people who's like, but I'm in the middle of this. I don't want to leave. I don't care that you have to go pee. Go pee. Like, you figure it out, Aaron, okay? Like, I just think it could really mess up the flow of the film personally. It also sounds but... like you're talking about intimacy, but never mind. Please continue. <laughs> <Jesus Christ>. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, what's you? Sorry, I'm I so concerned go about pee. what you all do now. There's urine playing? No. I'm not going to kink shame. That's fine. Do you? Do you? I just think that it could mess up the flow of the film. And it would have to be handled very deftly. And the intermissions then also would be have to be done on per movie, obviously, to have that nice cutting point. What it could think, work, but eh. What do you think could be some of the other drawbacks? Because there, there is the one issue mm -hmm. about, does it pull you out of the movie for it to pause? Mm -hmm. But there are probably a couple of other drawbacks. Can you think of some other? I mean, second acting, just like you do in the theater, right? You'd have to check your tickets again for people to come back in. Well, um, by that point, you're already, because most movie theaters, you got to show your tickets to get in the door mm -hmm. and then to be in the whole lobby area. As yeah. long as you're not leaving the lobby, I think you're good. Mm -hmm. But I mean, one of the big other drawbacks to me that I can think of is, hey, listen, you're already dealing with a three-hour movie. You're going to add seven more minutes on top of that. Plus 30 minutes of trailers. Yeah, well, you don't even get me started on the 30 <laughs> minutes of trailers. Well, don't if you can ad. do 30 fucking minutes of trailers, you can give us a seven-minute break. Anyway, <laughs> but, but it does. You're already talking about a really long time at the theater. Now mm -hmm. you're adding even more time. So I could see that as another legit drawback as well. Anyway, Rob... The, we, you and I have talked about the idea of an intermission for years now. And, and well, we, 
tend to go back and forth a bit. What do you like about the idea? What do you not like about the idea? I mean, I grew up, you know, seeing classic movies. A lot of them had intermissions. And what was great is the filmmakers put the intermissions in. And uh, then they, they had interact. So you even during... had it when you brought it like on home video. They were still in that edit. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they keep the intermission right. in the edits of the films. They, they still do that. Mm. And there's actually a piece of score that's written for the intermission. So like a composer actually writes a specific right, piece yeah. for that interact. Uh, Quentin Tarantino just did that recently with, uh, with the Hateful Eight. Hateful Eight, exactly. Yep. And, and I like that. I mean, I and, and what's interesting, too, is the filmmakers, they would actually do something that was fairly dramatic. Like, it, it wasn't necessarily a cliffhanger, but they would leave you on a note where you're like, you're contemplative of what's going to happen next, what you've just seen and where it's going to go. And so that choice was also a filmmaker's choice. And it actually, even though there is an intermission, it added an element of something, which I liked. And, you know, for something like Way of Water, if it's over three hours, I, I see that as, as a benefit, if anything. I mean, James Cameron's going to give you a moment. I, I think, look, three-hour movies are great. I love them. The Right Stuff, one of my favorite movies of all time, is three hours and 15 minutes. There's no intermission in that movie. It, it moves by like a gunshot. But it could use an intermission. It takes a place over a period of time. There's great places where you could put an intermission. And I think it just makes movies more manageable. And I'll tell you, I've enjoyed, when I was growing up going to the Seattle Film Festival, they'd show like epic 70 millimeter, like 10 commandments. Right. You know, you'd see an intermission in the middle of the 10 commandments. And it's good. I think it was actually better because the film was structured to have an intermission. And if, they, if the filmmakers are thinking about it, I think it's best. I mean, I don't know how it works in India, but a lot of those Bollywood movies, because the the dance numbers run long, yeah, they're like three and four hours long. So they, I would imagine, I've actually never seen. Well, I've never been to India, so I've never seen a movie in India. So I would imagine I've heard that they all have intermissions. They're probably built into the films. They're not just. I don't want a theater to like randomly turn off a movie. And go, it's intermission time. Yeah, you know, yeah, I really like think that. I really think that they need to be put in by the studio, <laughs> the filmmakers. You know, there's one thing you did not put on the Campia classroom. You missed a great opportunity. Oh, I mean, this is a perfect spot to play this. Wait, I don't have it. Wow, oh, the, the black screen. <laughs> yeah, that's what they do. They turn the movie off, this? Jonathan. Good oh, job. Jonathan was so excited about his setup for this. Oh, there you go. Exactly. You want to play this fucking waste of time in the yeah, theater? Put on the play it during the intermission. Play it during the mission. Yeah, Actually, you know, one of the guys who goes to the movie theater uh -oh. most in here is Taylor. I, I would be curious, Taylor, for the amount that you go to the hmm. theaters. What would you like? I, look, it's only about one movie out of every one or two movies out of every 10 that'll go over two and a half hours. But right. what would you think about an intermission in, in longer movies like that? No, I wouldn't like it, honestly. I feel like it would give people an excuse to be on their phone again. Like they'll text someone, like they'll go on Tinder, right? During the intermission. Because that's then, what you do in the and movies. Then, yes. if you're Rob, you'll order some butter <laughs> to be delivered <laughs> Rob, to your seat. <laughs> that's only if I'm watching Last Tango in Paris. Come on. <laughs> but I just feel like it'd give them another reason to continue the conversation into the movie. I would rather just get through the movie hand out some depends if it's the if it's the bathroom that's an issue I, I, but maybe part of that is what is something that 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 actually bothers me more than it i think most people is that i really hate it when i'm in a movie and people are getting up and i don't blame them they got to go to the bathroom they got to go to the bathroom they got to take an emergency call i'd rather them leave the theater and do it I don't blame the people, but I really hate when I'm sitting there watching a movie and excuse me, excuse me, uh, and I or you in one you. of these theaters 
that the seats are so narrow that you can't just lean back. You actually got to stand up and, and le- like mm. that bothers me so much. Maybe if it didn't bother me as much, maybe I, the idea well, of intermission wouldn't be. It's totally disruptive. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, when you're sitting in there it, and it's not just somebody gets up, it's your entire peripheral vision while they walk down and move out of the theater. I mean, I know people got to go, but, but it's like, it do, it is disruptive. It really is. And I think what's great. Again, I don't blame them at all. I don't blame the individuals. If you got to go, you got to go. I don't blame them. And I'll tell you something. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't even know if this movie has this, if it has an intermission, but Ice Station Zebra has this incredible score. It was Howard Hughes' favorite movie. And I seem to remember there's just this great piece of music at the interact, the, at the intermission. It might not have an intermission, and I, but I remember it as having an intermission. And, you know, when that piece of music, that, you know, I'm like, wow, it makes you realize what you just saw was awesome. How you know, Hughes wouldn't have used that intermission, though. He would have peed in a jar and kept watching. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. And Betsy clipped his nails. Yeah. Although, I, I, I think this would be much like the pre-assigned seating thing. Because I remember back in my movie blog days, I would do editorials like every two weeks about what the F are we doing? Get pre-assigned seating. And there would be so many people on my blog who would write and say, nah, no, nah, no, nah, pre-signed seating doesn't work because doesn't you know, work like. this one, it'd be like, what if you get to your pre-signed seat and there's a piece of gum in it? Well, then, then move to another seat. The same thing would happen. Well, what if all the other seats are full? Well, if you go to a non pre-assigned movie theater and all the other seats are full and you got a seat with a piece of gum, it's not any different. I mean, but now that we have pre-assigned seating, everybody's like, I can't imagine going back to non-pre-assigned seating. I think if we had intermissions for super long movies and only super long movies, I think the same thing would happen. I think people would get so accustomed that it's like, oh my God, we could never go back. But I don't know. Maybe uh, I'm wrong. I agree. But we did go back because there used to be intermissions. Yeah. But then again, we don't have like the movie runtimes today aren't like they were back in, no. the, in that day too, right? But anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? There are pros and cons, but I kind of think that if we re-implement, re-implemented intermissions for movies like over two and a half hours long, I don't think people anybody would want to go back. But maybe there's some other tangible benefits to it. Maybe there's some other tangible drawbacks to it. Whatever you guys think about it, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's get into main topic number two. Kaylee. What is our second main topic today? Second main topic comes to us from Darius. Hey, John, I heard you say you're really not all that excited for the Willow series coming to Disney+. Plus. Have to ask if you saw the new promo spot they just released for it. I thought it looked fantastic. And I wanted to know if it may have done anything to get you even just a little bit excited about it. Thanks for all you guys do and bring on the filthy. Okay, so I just saw Willow for the first time this year. Really? Yeah. Wow. My boyfriend loves it, and so he showed it to me, and I was like, uh, but, 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 but. I saw the trailer for the series, and I'm so in. It looks amazing. Like, amazing. Have you guys seen it? Mm-hmm. Well, we did watch it. By the way, just for those of you guys watching live, fire in in the live chat if you guys uh, know what Kaylee is dressed as. Uh, bonus <laughs> points if you get it. I'll keep my eye on that a little bit. Yes. Anyway, yeah, listen, you're right. I... I have not been all that excited about a Willow series. To be honest with you, part of me, when I saw that they were going to be doing a Willow series, and by the way, uh, Andrew K. in the live chat nailed it. First guest, Tom Cruise. That's right, for Risky Business. Well done. Um, I didn't even know that. I was going to say Uma Thurman in um, 
Oh, and Pulp Fiction. That would have worked too, actually. Yes. But you've got the uh, the glasses are where the if you've seen the movie poster for Risky Business, the way he's got his glasses, that's that's, on the movie poster. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so I have not been excited about Willow at all. I enjoyed the the original movie as much as anybody did. Mad Modigan. I like. I really did. I like the original movie. I remember it fondly. But I've had no interest in this, and it was kind of like a. Chris Carr was a for why? Why are you going back and doing Willow? But I got to admit, the promos they've done for it look pretty fun. And this latest one that they put out, it's one of those mid trailers. It's one minute long, longer than a commercial, shorter than a trailer. I don't know what you call these things, but I watched it. I thought, you know what? This looks charming. This looks like it's got a definitive personality to it. I mean, I love Warwick Davis. I mean, so give me anything with Warwick Davis. I remember at one Star Wars celebration, he moderated the main thing, and he was so good at it. But I got to admit, I was not on board with this show. Sign me up. I'm going to start watching opening day in November when it drops. I'm there now. Anyway, Rob, you had a chance to see this. Where's your thoughts right now on the Willow series, and what do you think about the new spot? Well, you know, as a as a child who came up watching lots of movies in the '80s, they kept trying to make fantasy happen, mm-hmm. and like it kind of it worked with Conan the Barbarian, the first Conan, because it was brutal. And but when they tried it, everything from Crawl, don't to, you don't you smack talk Crawl? I'm not gonna, but it yeah, <laughs> it has a great crystal and uh, 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 stop motion spider. But fantasy was always kind of whether it was the animated film Fire and Ice. It was all variations on a theme because no one had ever been able to really do Tolkien right. And you had the sort of Shannara books. You had the Thomas Covenant books. And Willow, to me, was the most generic fantasy trope movie ever. And I I enjoyed it because Ron Howard directed it. But it wasn't – I mean, I'm watching this. There was nothing in that movie that I I thought to myself, that was kick-ass. You know, it was just this generic – safe fantasy trope movie it was fine that said like the dark crystal which was another movie i mean i can appreciate the craft the dark crystal don't get mad i'm already the, getting mad the original movie i can feel my anger the right original now. movie Tread. the original Lightly. movie is boring <gasps> oh, how dare boring. you how dare you what I'm with everything's you, subjective but all your taste is in your mouth like <laughs> what <laughs> I'm sorry. Man. What? I'm sorry. It's boring. Oh and my god. The original god. Dark Crystal is boring. The wow. se- you guys, I was there. I went opening night. It was a bore. Uh, it was oh a bore my god. because it was puppets. Let's talk Beastmaster then. Be- <laughs> Beastmaster was pretty good, but again, it was boring because yes. it was puppets. How dare you, sir? I'm telling you. But it pissed me off genius. with one of the parents, And, and I'll tell you the great the great mm. score, the great score for Dark Crystal. Does not actually fit that movie, but we can get into that. However, I'm gonna flip the Dark desk. Crystal series was great. I love the Dark Crystal series. I kind of feel that way. That's going to be the same thing with this Willow series. Because they finally have made Lord of the Rings. They've made Game of Thrones. They, we, they've now made successful. I mean, dude, if you grew up in the 80s, Dragon Slayer, I would go to these movies with all the hopes in the world. And when they were over, it was always like, that was all right. But the Willow series looks really good. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel the way that... Yeah, so sorry. judged. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, I, I, you're in the middle of a judgment sandwich. Well, judging right like, judgment like, here. I'm, I'm telling you, by the way. If you're of a certain age. Yeah, if you're of a, I'm telling you, I'm not wrong. 
But this show looks great. I think it looks great. And I think everything about it looks great because they've licked the fantasy formula where they can make people love fantasy. And I think a lot of that had to do with what Peter Jackson was able to do, but what they were able to with Game of Thrones. But I'm telling you, man, fantasy in the 80s was rough. Anyway, Chris, uh, what, where, where's your thoughts been about the Willow series? Um, what did you think about the new spot? And why is Rob so wrong oh about the Dark Crystal? Where to begin with Rob? Goodness <laughs> gracious. This, we have issues. This is the first one where I'm genuinely like, well, Robert. Let's talk about oh it. Oh, my gosh. Let's this is what we're going to do today is just fight. Um, oh, my goodness. I think this is great. I love the original Willow. And Mardigan, come on. Vil- Val Kilmer is so good in that movie and just oh, oh he's so Bad great <laughs> wonderful 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 and Warwick Davis is one of my favorites too I, I think this looks so fun and it does I think look better than the original from this trailer and from this latest clip that we've seen too I'm really really excited about it and I still love you even though your opinions are bad my opinions are not bad. Yeah. This uh, one read is. the reviews. Go this back and read the reviews of Dark opinion. Crystal. I, this I, is a pooper. Oh, Dark Crystal's so good. Hey, but you know what, Rob? I'll, I'll say whatever. You can have the opinions, but at least that stuff existed. It was there as being produced. Yeah. You know, we had it. You know, it was people were giving it a shot. No, and Dark Crystal's, the original's 40 years old this year. Wow. So, you know, I'm not saying it was a triumph of filmmaking. It just was a bore. Oh, God. It's so it it made the way Star Wars made me fall in love with movies as a child. Dark Crystal doubled down on that mm-hmm. for me, like the the awe and wonder I had. And I know we're not supposed to be talking about Dark Crystal, but I just remember that <laughs> that has stayed with me my whole life. That movie. I just. Uh, but hey, that's why all film is subjective. You ever looked at the box office? Looks like Gaffling. Uh, no, do you look at the box office for some of the movies that they consider top 10 greatest of all time? Uh, I'm They're just not saying. good. I'm just saying. <laughs> anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think? Have you seen the new trailer spot for Willow? Where's your thoughts been on the project overall? And what did you think about the new spot? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and leave those thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, we're going to take a second here and thank another sponsor of today's show, the great folks at Wondery and their new Rings of Power official podcast. Guys, we want to thank one of the sponsors of this episode, Wondery and their official Lord of the Rings Rings of Power podcast. Your hosts, Felicia Day, and several special guests provide an inside look at the groundbreaking series and what it took to bring Middle-earth to life. Each of the episodes of the official podcast features exclusive interviews with the series showrunners, J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay, including the very first full breakdown of the incredible season finale. Felicia also goes behind the scenes with the cast and crew to bring you jaw-dropping stories and Easter eggs you won't want to miss. So watch The Rings of Power on Prime Video and listen to all eight episodes of the official The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power podcast for free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app now. And thank you to our friends at Wondery for sponsoring this episode of The John Campia Show. All right, guys, with that down, let's move on to main topic number three. Kaylee, what is our third main topic today? Our third main topic comes from Trevor Whitmore. With the House of Dragon series ending on such a powerful note, a lot of us started looking forward to season two already, but it looks like we'll have to wait a long time. The head of HBO just said there won't be a season two until at least 2024. 
This is extremely frustrating. A lot of TV shows for years would put out 20 plus episodes a year. I know a Game of Thrones show is much bigger, but they only have like eight to 10 episodes to do. Why are they so unprepared and unable to ensure a new season each year? John, how do you think this is going to play out with, um, you know, the second season being so far from now? I think obviously there's going to be some, some clear comparisons to the situation with Rings of Power, right? Rings of Power, big high fantasy show, will also not have a second season for at least a couple of years. However, and, and I was I, like, I'm like, what guys, what are you doing? What, what are you doing? However, I think there's two big differences with the House of Dragons scenario. All right. Scenario difference number one is this, is that with Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power, with them spending nearly a billion dollars to acquire the rights, make the show, all that kind of stuff. It didn't matter if only seven people watched it. They were going to do a season two. The investment was just too high. There was no way. There was literally nothing that could have happened that would have prevented them from doing a season two, anything short of the end of the world. So nothing was going to stop them from doing a season two. And it turns out a whole shit ton of people watched the show and all that kind of stuff. So they knew a season two was coming. And to me, that gives them no excuse for not having another season ready to go next year. There's just no excuse. They should have been rolling on this already. With House of the Dragon, I think it's a very, very different situation because the reality is, hey, listen, it's easy for us now to play Monday morning quarterback and go, well, the show was super popular and everybody loved it. That's great. But don't forget, just a couple of months ago, a lot of people were asking, is anybody even going to watch this? That certain people, despite the fact that it set the record for most Emmy wins, a lot of people did not like season eight of Game of Thrones. A lot of people said, I'm never trusting Game of Thrones again and all that kind of stuff. So because of that, there was legitimate questions going into House of Dragon. Is that is anybody even going to watch this? We don't know that we can do another season of this. And unlike Rings of Power, which was it was a foregone conclusion they were doing another series just because of the financial investment, with House of the Dragon, that wasn't the case. So I give them a little bit of leeway on that. The second big difference is this, is that House of Dragon was awesome from start to finish. Rings of Power, look, it's all different. It's all subjective. Maybe people didn't love House of the Dragon as much as I did, whatever. Maybe people loved Rings of Power. Maybe people hate it. But to me... Rings of Power started really slow. Like, I almost ditched on the show initially. Now, for me personally, it got quite good near the end. But it was not a show that was just purely beloved from start to finish by the vast majority of people. Therefore, it's even more important for you to get back on the horse, especially once you built up a little bit of momentum near the end of the season. You got some momentum going. You don't want to lose everybody. House of the Dragon, it's a little bit different. Everybody loved it. I mean, obviously, that's hyperbole. Some people, I'm sure, didn't. But for the most part, everybody seems to have loved House of the Dragon. So you've got a little bit more flexibility there that you don't need to immediately hop on that momentum because everybody loved it. Everybody will be waiting for it. Now, I still believe there is no excuse in today's day and age when in ages past with much worse technology Shows were able to crank out 24 episodes per year and come back with another 24 episodes. There's no reason you can't, even with, you know, big budgets and, and visual effects and all kinds of stuff, there is no reason why you should not be able to have another eight-episode season ready to go in a year. 
But I give House of the Dragon a little bit more leeway because of those two big differences. So am I happy about this? No. And this comes from the folks over at the AV Club. Just to give us the more details, they said this. The head of HBO said, don't expect it in 2023. Talking about House of the Dragon season two, don't expect it in 2023. But I think sometime in 2024, Blois says, he's the head of HBO, as a part of a much longer interview focused on the show's recent success as a hybrid of streaming and linear TV watching. Because remember, they have HBO and HBO Max. Among other things, Blois contends that dropping the show into the old Game of Thrones time slot made for a much stronger appointment television, he's absolutely right, vibe, even among viewers on HBO Max. Discussing return dates, the network head was vague, but insisted that he wasn't being coy, saying that we're just starting to put the plan together. And just like last time, there are so many unknowns. You don't know. You don't want to say it's going to be ready on this date. And then you have to move it. And that comes from the folks at the AV Club. Rob, I agree with them. Like the worst thing you can do is announce a release date and then disappoint everybody by not making it. But anyway, you hear his comments. No House of the Dragon season two till at least 2024. What's your thoughts on it? Well, I think, look, I think what people don't understand is like you brought up how TV shows used to have like 26 episodes. Like Star Trek The Next Generation, 26 episodes a season. But they were shooting on the Paramount lot in very controlled environments, in a single place, you'd drive to work, people would park, go to makeup, and they would shoot. House of the Dragon is a show that shot multiple countries. It's really difficult. It has a huge cast, an enormous cast of people, um, and they're adding a bunch more people next season. So logistically, these are huge shows to make. The visual effects, I, I don't even know how long that dragon, I mean, that behind the scenes showing the dragon riders, shooting, that was really cool. I can't even imagine, as you know, in visual effects, how long those effects took. These these shows are movie quality. So the schedules, especially in post, are a lot longer than our normal TV shows of yore were. And it just, it takes a long time to do something like this. And they're basically giving us 10 hours and sometimes these episodes are longer. They're closer to 90 minutes. So you're getting 10 feature films a week. I mean, a 10 feature films. Uh, you're getting a feature film every week for 10 weeks. It's a lot of work, and it takes a long time to do. And I heard that they were going to start in November again in production. Same with like, but they might be shooting for a year. You know, I don't know. I, I, but it's a long time, and that's why it takes a long time. They can't just crank this stuff out. And, and yet, and yet other shows of similar scale have, especially with the fact, see, I would get that if we were talking about 24 episodes like we did with TV, but now we're literally talking about one third, right? And we're also talking about like when television, the logistics of television, what's great about it is the fact that for most of the time you have eight sets and they're all set and ready to go. Yep. And they stay there. They're ready to be they're reused. All it's pretty much so, pre-lit. so while it's true, it's kind of like you're making a mini feature film every week. It's not really like that because a feature films you, you means you start up, do all your pre-production, get all your sets built, get all your costumes designed, get all your guns. Well, that stuff's already done, right? So I, again, I understand it's it's huge quality, it's a big effort, but it's like for a lot of these shows, it's eight episodes, and you got a year, and you've got your sets built, and your costumes designed, and you've got your casting, and you've got all that kind of stuff. With with Game of Thrones, I get it for this season for House of the Dragon because they didn't even know if they're going to be able to do a season two or if people would watch it. But I don't know. It's difficult for me. I mean, I have to say too, like it was really interesting seeing the, the behind the scenes, how they're using the volume, mm -hmm. you know, the volume. Very effectively. Yeah. Like going into the, the throne room of Storm's End, 
how they had the big volume screens up to show you the so they didn't have to build that set. I'm like, that's that's a great use of that volume. Better you know? than the Mandalorian did. Oh man, I mean the way, yeah, because all those foreground sets in the throne room and but that's where people are learning how to more I mean, Game of Thrones of all the shows that we've seen, I think uses the volume most effectively. I agree. Because they've really thought of, of how to do it. But I still think it's again, it I mean logistically, it's rough, man. That's it's still a tough show to make. Anyway, Chris, you hear about this. What's your take on it? Oh, man. They just really didn't want to cast new actors with time jumps. <laughs> they were like, let's just age them up proper. Um, I mean, this is the kind of the same timetable we're on for Rings of Power as well, right? And obviously, like you guys were saying, there's a lot of, you know, different things we got to take in uh, to factor in here for pre-production and post. I mean, there's so many visual effects and everything they have to put in here. I also keep forgetting that we only have two months left of 2022. Right. Yeah. So 2024 yeah. really isn't that far away, honestly. So I, I'm given on when in 2024 they're talking. For sure. About. Yeah. So I'm, I'm giving both both those shows a little bit of grace here because it is a lot of different spinning plates that they've got to figure out. All right, guys. Question is for you. What do you think about this? I think you need to give House of the Dragon a lot more leeway than you do with Game of Thrones or than you did with Rings of Power, because there are a couple of big differences. Still, I'd like to see them have the foresight to be able to move this stuff a little forward a little bit faster. We're not asking for a new season every three weeks, like The Voice or whatever. But questions for you guys. How do you feel about it? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave those thoughts there. All right. With that down, let's move into main topic number four. Kaylee, what is our fourth main topic today? Fourth main topic says, Wade says, hey guys, hope you're well. Just saw the box office for Black Adam and in its second weekend, it domestically made 27 million, a drop of around 57%. And worldwide, it has around 250 million. I don't know about you guys, but to me, these numbers seem quite low for a superhero film in general. Is it just me or are these numbers in a slight worry for Warner Discovery? Thanks, guys. John, what do you think about these numbers for Black Adam? Is this kind of what you were thinking or are you surprised? Well, you know, one of the things that we say all the time is that Generally speaking, a movie would like to see a second week drop off between 50 and 60%. If your second week drop off is between 50 and 60%, then, then you're kind of in a normal range of drop off. The bigger a movie opens, like when you get like a Spider-Man that opens to like 200 plus million dollars on its opening weekend. Well, that just tells you that a lot of people went to go see it opening weekend that won't need to go see it on the second weekend. And so it's okay to see a bigger drop off. Like I think Spider-Man homecoming second week drop off was, I, I know Taylor, you'd have to look it up, but I think it was like 65%, 68% range. Like it was a big, big drop off. That's because everyone to go see it the first weekend. Black Adam didn't have that kind of an opening. Like it was in the $60 million range, I think. is it was what, 67, what, I thought. 60, maybe 67. Uh, opening weekend of $67 million. So not the $200 million range of a Spider-Man No Way Home, uh, but a decent one. So it won the weekend again with $27.7 million for a 58.7% drop. That's not bad. That's actually not bad. It's not great, but it's not bad. It's within those acceptable range parameters, right? So that's not the problem. The problem for a Black Adam is this, though, is that with a roughly $200 million production budget and a roughly $100 million marketing budget, because they marketed this movie a lot, you're talking about a movie that needs to clock in at about $450 million to breathe easy and break even. 
And everybody knows the vast majority of a movie's money normally, for most circumstances, is made in the first two full weeks. Black Adam now has made $250 million worldwide. So while a 58% drop-off, that's okay. That's not bad. Winning the box office for the second weekend in a row, that's pretty good. But the reality is after two weeks, you're talking about a movie that is just a little over halfway when it's now made the vast majority of its money. And with a 58.9% drop-off, that means this movie is not a movie that people are rushing out to do big multiple repeat viewings, nor are they dragging their friends that didn't go see it to say, you got to come and watch this, right? So while the first place is good, 58% drop, not bad. The concerning number for me here is $250 because to me, I don't think this movie is going to break even. I think Black Adam is a movie I had a lot of fun at. It's a dumb movie, but it's fun. It looks like this movie is going to end up being a money loser for the studio. That does not bode well for them. That does not bode well for Dwayne Johnson. Um, it's it's Now, listen, we could get a big late surge, right? It could maybe develop the kind of legs that Top Gun Maverick had. This ain't Top Gun Maverick. So I don't know, Rob, you hear about this. What numbers of these are standing out to you? Is there cause for concern? Is there cause for optimism? How do you see it? I think there is cause for concern. I mean, it hasn't made the kind of money. I mean, look, in its foreign markets, it's doing well. It was number one in a lot of foreign markets. But it's not... Look, I even thought a 60 million, 65 million, 70 million opening for this movie with the way it was marketed with Dwayne Johnson... Not great marketing, by the way. ...was low. Yeah, it wasn't great marketing. But the one thing this movie does have going for it, well, it's both for and against, is it, it is opening in China. Yes. And so... And that will help if it can get the it, audience in. And... and but the big problem is China's also in the midst of huge COVID lockdowns again. Yes. Mm -hmm. So who knows if they'll, they're going to open theaters when it's supposed to open. But I do think this movie will play well in China. I mean, I, it's funny to me that, you know, they don't like sorcery and the supernatural yet. Superheroes, they're totally good. Yeah, with. it's fine. But this, this is a <laughs> as long as those superheroes yeah. aren't gay, uh, then they're fine. Well, I mean, you can the, play in China. But there's sorcery in here. You know, there's magic. But it's cool. It's cool. But I do think that a Chinese release could really benefit this film, you know, and if it does well, if they're not subject to these horrible lockdowns again, I could see it getting to four or five hundred million with China, which would, you know, put it, it. It's not a gigantic hit because let's face it, people don't know Black Adam, you know, and kids who like to go see superhero movies are not like, oh, I'm going to go see Black Adam because I love Black Adam. People don't know. He's an unknown character. So. You know, maybe maybe yep. it'll get a second life, but I mean I could see it grossing without China three fifty, maybe. See, I saw somebody in the live chat, and I don't know if this is true. You might want to look this up for me, Taylor. Mm -hmm. Somebody in the live chat said that Shazam made forty three million in China. I don't know that that's true. Um if it is true, and if you can find out how much Shazam yeah, made, in China if it made... is true, listen, forty million dollars could absolutely be the difference between Black Adam being a profitable movie or being a money loser. So that could absolutely come into play and be very important. So is is that what we're getting here? 43.8 million in China. So listen, if Black Adam can pull that, mm -hmm. and let's face it, The Rock may pull even more than that yeah. in China. I mean, that could be a huge difference. But again, you pointed out, Rob, the big problem there is I was just reading more headlines today about the additional lockdowns going on in China. That could be problematic. Anyway, mm -hmm. Chris... 
a lot of numbers here. The opening weekend drop, the yeah. overall numbers, all that kind of stuff. What's standing out to you here? Well, I want to apologize to Dwayne personally because this is my fault. I still haven't seen his movie. I'm so sorry. Oh. Um, this is that's when Gimli was so sick, and I had that's to return right. my ticket. So Gimli, son gone. of Gwyn, by the way, is one of her dogs. Yeah, uh, the Rock is not happy. He's not. Well, <laughs> I wasn't happy either. Gimli sharded everywhere. It was horrible. It was explosive, but. I, I am concerned about this movie. I mean, it didn't get great reviews, right? This isn't a huge drop off, but it does need to break even for this to be, you know, feasible for Warner Brothers to continue on with this. You know, the axe of Zaslav swings <laughs> and I I don't have high hopes because of the COVID protocols right now. Yeah. I, I really don't think that this is going to make the money that it needs to make for this to truly be successful. And it's wild because this was his biggest box office opening, right? It, for for yeah. a movie that he was the lead star of the movie. This yeah. is the biggest opening of his career. Yeah. So I, I'd like for it to do well. You know, I really enjoy him and I, I would like for this character to be explored more and everything. I'm still looking forward to getting to the theater myself to see it, but I don't know if this is going to be able to make the money it needs. It's uh, it's not looking good right now. Mm-hmm. Here's hoping it can find a second one because I'll tell you what, this is a bad movie. <laughs> like, I, it's a bad movie oh, in man, many so ways, <laughs> but it's a fun movie. I I walked out of that theater with a big grin on my face. The, the action's great. The one-liners are great. It could have done a lot better in a lot of the other areas, but whatever. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? Black Adam takes number one at the box office again, but... It may not be enough to make this movie profitable. How do you think it's going to recover? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to our fifth and final main topic today here, shall we? Kaylee, what is our fifth main topic today? This comes from Chris Amit. G'day, John and crew. So Henry Cavill announced that he won't be continuing his role as Gerald after season three and that Liam Hemsworth will be taking on the role. Does this mean we may be closer to a Man of Steel sequel than we had originally thought of when he announced that he is back as Superman? Thanks and bring on the filthy. All right. Thanks a lot for saying that in. And millions of voices suddenly cried out in terror and they were suddenly <laughs> silenced. Henry Cavill is no longer going to be Geralt of Rivia after season three. We've got him coming up in the new season. He's going to be in season three. But then after that, he will be Geralt of Rivia no more. And everybody <laughs> screamed. But hey, at least we got a wooden shoe coming in to replace him in Liam Hemsworth. We'll talk about that in just a second. All right. So he's stepping down from it. Now, this is interesting because about a year or so ago, the it was mentioned that the showrunner of The Witcher was saying that she has a seven-year plan. And they asked Henry Cavill, like, are you, can you be committed that long? And he said, absolutely. As long as they're still telling good stories, I, I want to play, I want to keep playing this character. Now, first of all, how adorable that you think Netflix is going to keep your show around for seven seasons. Yeah. Because that just don't happen. Four, Even Stranger Things ain't going to get seven. Now. What's that? It's a four season plan now. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, that's a four <laughs> season plan now. Like, that's adorable that you thought Netflix would keep you around for seven seasons. That's just adorable. But at, at any rate. So it is interesting that he said he would stay around and, and now he's not. Now, I had a whole hell of a lot of people writing into me and asked me. I even did an open Q&A, like an Ask Me Anything in the community tab yesterday. And a lot of people wrote in and asked, do you think this has to do with Superman? And I said, one has nothing to do with the other. Like everybody thinks, oh, somebody's going to be in a movie. Well, then they can't do the other movie. A lot of actors do four or five movies a year. It's yeah. totally fine. So I told everybody one has nothing to do with the other. But you know what? 
I don't know if I'm so convinced about that anymore. Because here's the thing. Season three is not even out yet. It was not that long ago that Henry Cavill posted those social media messages to the cast and crew of Witcher saying, hey, we just wrapped season three. Congratulations. That was not that long ago, right? Here's where it makes me think a little something fishy. Why did they need to announce Liam Hemsworth now? A friend of mine texted me and said, you know, there was absolutely no need to announce Liam Hemsworth right now. You could have announced that in a few months unless they're planning on going into production on season four real soon, like imminently soon. And if that's the case, you've got to announce Liam Hemsworth now. Okay, if that's true, and we don't know that it is, but if that's true, and they needed to announce Liam Hemsworth now because they are going to be fast-tracking season four and moving into production that real, real soon, it could be that with all these announcements about Superman that they, because Rob, we have both heard that they are a lot closer to shooting a new Superman thing than anybody is being led on to believe. And if that's the case, then it's not that one doesn't have time to play multiple roles. It's just that if something's going to be shooting at the same time. So this could mean two things. Number one, that they're going to be shooting season four real damn soon. And number two, they could be going into production on a Superman movie, maybe by February or March. Again, neither of which do we know to be true or a fact, but I'm just saying the speculation is there. So while I initially completely dismissed the idea that Henry leaving The Witcher had anything to do with Superman, it there might be a correlation there. There might be a causality there, right? So don't know that for sure. So let's talk about what we do know for sure. Henry's not going to be Geralt of Rivia anymore. This is really tragic as a fan of the show. He is fantastic in that role. Utterly fantastic. And I know I'm a Henry Cavill fanboy, but still, he is absolutely wonderful in this role. I love him in it. And to me, this just broke my heart. Now, I don't know, maybe, I didn't think season two was as good as season one. If season three is even less good, maybe I won't even be looking forward to a season four, whatever. So I'm heartbroken that he won't be Geralt anymore. The choice of Liam Hemsworth as the replacement, I must admit to me, it's a bit confounding. Now, let me say this. I sat down once with Liam for a good 20 to 30 minutes. This was back when they were promoting the final uh, uh, Hunger Games movie, the final one or two Hunger Games movies. And I had a chance to sit down, me and Liam, and I, I, I'll tell you what, this dude doesn't have a movie star selling his body. What I mean by that is he doesn't come walking in there thinking he's all that and whatever. He was humble. He was super nice. I, I couldn't have enjoyed my conversation with him any more than I did. He was wonderful. That said, and I'm not trying to be mean, I have just not found him to be a really talented actor. Whether you're looking at what he did in Hunger Games or whether you're looking at, there was one movie that's a really good example is a movie he did with Harrison Ford and Gary Oldman. Okay, he was in a movie with Harrison Ford and Gary Oldman and he was the star. And Harrison Ford and Gary Oldman were his supporting cast. But it was this little movie, and by the way, Amber Heard was in it too, called Paranoia. And it was where he was a hacker or whatever. And boy, now maybe it had something to do with the fact that he was acting alongside two Hollywood legends, but it did not work. It wasn't a good look for him. And I have yet to see him be anything 
be in anything where I thought that was an exceptional performance. Unlike, say, his brother, where you watch something like, uh, what was the car race film? It was, was it called Rush? Yeah. When you look at Rush with Chris Hemsworth and Daniel Bruhl, and you're like, holy crap, this dude is saying Thor. This dude is a phenomenal actor, right? I have not sensed that. And every time we talk about potential fan casting, I say, I don't care about who you cast in a role. I just want to know that you're getting a talented actor. I don't have a lot of confidence here. Now, look, Paranoia was like seven or eight years ago. I haven't seen Liam Hemsworth do a lot lately. I've seen a few things there, but, and he can grow and improve. Channing Tatum is a great example of that. I used to hate Channing Tatum as an actor. Now I think he's great. Mm -hmm. And we could definitely see growth and improvement in Lee. I hope that's the case. But I'm just being honest again. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying I don't have a lot of faith in this right now. It's going to have to win me over when we do eventually see it. Anyway, Chris, you hear about this. What do you think about number one, Henry leaving the role? Number two, mm -hmm. do you think it has anything to do with Superman? Number three, what do you think about the choice to get Liam Hemsworth in to replace him in The Witcher? I definitely think it has something to do with Superman. I feel like that's just going to take up a whole bunch of a schedule and there's going to be crossover events and all kinds of things. So I feel like that's coming uh, part of this. And also, you know, he'll have done this show for several years. Maybe he just wants to move on. That could be another factor is he's done what he needs to with Geralt. Um, I am really bummed out about this, though, because he does do such a wonderful job. He's a huge fan of the source material. He loves yeah. the books and he's an actually on set where he'll be like, um, well, guys, actually what they wrote in this only, you know, British and smart. So I'm, I'm really bummed about it. But I also wasn't really keen on his casting originally. You know, I, I didn't know if he could grime up good. I didn't think that was going to work out. He's a very pretty man and he does an excellent job in this. So I am going to hold off on judging Liam. You know, he's got great comedy chops. He was in a wonderful uh, little film called Isn't It Romantic with Rebel Wilson, where yes. he's hilarious. So good. And, you know, if you can do comedy, I've, I've got a lot of faith in you. So I'm hoping that he can really tap into something. And I'm really hoping that he can, you know, get all grimed up and give us that gritty, raw, bastard of a man and uh i'm not going to judge him yet now also let me uh, bring bring the image back up there look uh by, by saying, somebody in the live chat said john you say you're not trying to be mean but you literally just called him a wooden shoe i'm i'm being i'm joking around okay i'm just joking around i do not think Liam has a, is a is a wooden shoe now maybe also i i gotta point this out there are some people i we talk about this sometimes in the world that are so ridiculously good looking it just makes you mad at the universe. Mm -hmm. And like whatever I'm going to say about Liam Hemsworth, bring that image up again. Oh, okay. <laughs> Did you lose it? Well, yeah, whatever. Yeah. That maybe I'm just bitter that I will never be that good looking because that is a handsome dude. I'll say it. He's better looking than his brother. Whoa. And I think he's better looking than his brother. He's a, he's a super good looking dude. Huge model career. I, listen, he's got so much going for him that I really hope he shows us something. You're right. The one he did with Rebel Wilson, although I wasn't as impressed with him as you were, but I was not turned off by him in that movie. So I'll, I'll give him that. I just, I hope he can bring something a lot more. Anyway, Rob, you hear about this, a lot of pieces in play here. Henry's not Geralt. Liam Hemsworth is. Does this have anything to do with Superman? Does it have anything to do with James Bond? I don't know. What do you think about all this? Well, for an actor, the lead role of a show to be replaced is a big deal. You know, and, and for a lead actor to leave a show, which presumably he's getting paid nicely for, leads me to believe that there is a scheduling, a scheduling conflict. <laughs> and that scheduling conflict is probably pretty damn big. Because 
he likes that character. We've seen him talk about how much he likes The Witcher. Tomorrow's November 1st. Tomorrow is the day that James Gunn and Peter Safran take, take over, over DC Studios. DC Studios is open for business. I mean, I'm not saying that they're going to just guns blazing announce a Superman movie. I will. I'll go. I'll, I'll say right now because we. Did, I believe tomorrow's show we are going to be talking about James Gunn announcing a Superman. We movie. did. We did talk about that exact thing happening. And Henry Cavill basically went on social media, and while he didn't say yes, we're starting a Superman movie next week or whatever, this to me points to the fact that actors don't just give up good roles in fantasy shows that have huge audiences. Yeah. And he's done this for three seasons. It's very, it's very odd for this kind of thing to happen. Uh, especially in television, streaming, whatever. So if it's not this week, John, I think for sure, for sure, his dance card has been filled. And his dance card was filled to something bigger than The Witcher. And what's bigger than The Witcher? It's either going to be Superman, and they're not ready to make another James Bond movie. It's got to be Superman. Now, somebody brought up a really good question, and they asked, well, what about contracts? Like, was he under contract? I honestly don't think he was signed for any more than three They only three do years. three. Yeah. yeah. I don't think he was signed. Out. So you can say that he was committed for and all that kind of stuff, but he didn't just break his contract to walk away. I think it was he just didn't re-up. No, and I'll tell you something. If he had a contract for four seasons, they would have held him to it. Yeah. They don't just let people out. And if they didn't, if it was going to be a fight, we would have heard about it in the trades. The fact is he had a three-season contract. They wanted to go. And the reason he was able to not re-up is because he's known this was going to happen for a long time. Ever since, I mean, not because of James Gunn and Peter Safran, but because of The Rock. I mean, whether it was six months ago or whatever, he knew, nope, I'm not coming back. By the way, he's also got a, uh, he's supposed to be in the Highlander reboot, so that's going to be keeping busy. He's also got a new movie with Guy Ritchie coming out, another spy kind of thing, so he's got that happening as well. There's still a lot of whispers about him maybe being Bond at some point. I, I grow less and less um optimistic about that but I, I it's still a possibility it could happen of course super so he's got a lot going on anyway guys question is for you what do you think about this i love henry cavill in the witcher but he's he makes it infinitely watchable but he's not going to be there anymore do you think maybe liam hemsworth can like step up and really show that this is going to be his breakthrough moment that he really shows the world what he can do maybe he's grown a lot as an actor whatever you guys think about this jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, with all that down, we are now going to open up the Super Chats, and it's time to hear from you. What are your thoughts, theories, opinions, and questions that you have? Fire them on in right now, and we will address those here hence. But before we do, we're going to take just a second and thank my cell phone service provider, Ryan Reynolds' company, Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to take a second to thank the sponsor of this video, Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month. And now for the plot twist. I'm just kidding. There isn't one. Mint Mobile just has premium wireless from 15 bucks a month. There's no trapping you into a two-year contract or opening the bill to find all these crazy fees. There's no luring you in with free subscriptions to streaming services that you'll forget to cancel and be charged full price for. With my old wireless provider, every month when I opened the bill, it was like playing roulette. I never knew 
knew how big the bill was going to be, and it always seemed to get bigger. With Mint Mobile, it's totally different. I know exactly how little I'm paying every month, and there's never any surprises. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or a family. And at Mint Mobile, families start at just two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And guys, you get to use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. So transferring over couldn't be easier. So to get premium wireless from just 15 bucks a month and no unexpected plot twists, go to mintmobile.com campia. That's mintmobile.com campia. You'll make your wallet very happy at mintmobile.com campia. And thank you to the folks at Mint Mobile for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. I talk about it all the time, guys, but I'm dead serious. I switched over to Mint Mobile. You will not be happier. It's absolutely incredible. The switchover process is super easy. Keep your phone, keep your number. Only I'm paying about one third of what I used to pay for my phone bill. Make sure you guys go and check them out. All right. Before we move into our uh, super chat questions you guys have sent in, just want to call out Parth. In uh, one of our channel members just gifted five John Campia channel memberships to other viewers. Thank you so much for that part. That's incredibly generous of you, man. Okay. Now let's get over to our super chats. Kaylee, what do we got in there? We have, here we go. Actually, Andy. it starts with Isaiah. Sorry. There <laughs> You're you go. good. Isaiah. Thanks for your contribution. So I just see Isaiah S. I don't see a question. Oh, yeah, no, they, they, just that just means support. they just sent in Super Chats to be supportive. Oh, thank you so much. Okay, awesome. Thought I was reading a <laughs> Marie question. Marie Seifring as well. Thank you, Marie. <laughs> thank you. And now we go up to Andy. Awesome. Andy, got to see Till call Jane the Banshees of Inisherin and Tar just this weekend. Wow. Awesome for a bunch of original movies to come out that weekend. It it, it is funny that I still hear people complaining that... It's one of the most ridiculous things ever. Hollywood doesn't make original movies anymore. It's like, well, actually, this is not a matter of opinion. You are factually dead wrong. Actually, Hollywood makes more original film today than it ever has in its history. Now, of course, the problem is like 18 original movies come out. You don't pay attention to them. But a new Fast and the Furious, and that's all you see. You see Fast and Furious like, oh, wow, everything's a reboots and remakes and sequels. No, there's actually a hell of a lot more original films coming out. Y'all just don't go and see them and support them. But that's a great example of a bunch of the ones that are coming out that are really, I, I can't, again, Banshee's been a share and I cannot wait to watch this. I'm <laughs> super stoked about that. All right, what's next? CJ Rebirth. Nobody knew where you were and your phone was off. I texted Alexis. <laughs> oh my God, David, I'm so sorry I didn't respond to like one text message. I'm so impressed that somebody got the costume. Yeah. That's awesome. Well yeah. done. A little bit of Shit's Creek going on I there. love that whole bit. Of course, Taylor guy has got his David uh, outfit going, which is great. The problem is you didn't wear the kilt. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. yeah. oh you do? Yeah. I didn't even notice. Well, there you go. Show the audience. There's a slight the breeze from the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not used to that breeze. All right. What's next? Jedediah was listening to Lift Me Up over the weekend and bawling my eyes out. Wakanda Forever is going to destroy me emotionally. I mean, listen... I think it's going to be very interesting to see the actual reviews come out um, because we saw from, from the reaction. Now, I have not seen, I've saw a bit of the film, but I have not seen the film. So there's a lot of stuff I don't know about it. Uh, but you saw the first reactions. We did reaction watch. Everybody's talking about the emotionality of it, all that kind of stuff. A lot of great praises for 
you know, Letitia Wright's performance, a lot of great praises for uh, Namor and all that kind of stuff. However, did not hear, one of the things we did not hear that I was kind of half expecting to hear was, this is the best movie of the year, or this is a best picture contender or whatever. We did not hear that in the, in the first reactions. As a matter of fact, a couple of the first reactions were like, this movie's great. Not a best picture nominee, but great. So that just makes me very, very curious to see what the actual full reviews are going to be when they get into more of the minutia of it and to see what the pros and cons of it are. But I'm, I'm dying, pardon me, I'm dying to see this movie. Can't wait. I'm very excited about it. All right. What's next? Next up, Chef Rigo. Chef Rigo! It was called Pray for the Devil, but I was just praying for the end credits. Oh. <laughs> should have listened to you, should have listened to Taylor shaking my head. We miss you, Ray. Hey, yeah. So you did go to see Pray for the Devil, and you yeah. loved it. No, I no, did not. No. The CGI was so wonky, and I was telling my boyfriend David, who's no. sitting right here off camera, uh, the scariest part of the movie was the guy next to me kept coughing the whole movie, oh, and no. I was scared the phlegm was going to come out of his throat and land on my neck. That was the scariest part of the movie. It was bad. Now you know how Chris Pine feels. That really bothers me. Now you know how Chris Pine feels. Yeah, come on. I mean, guys, come on. You don't take a phone call. If you're sick, don't go into a movie. Yeah, did we not just, what was the last two, two and a half years? Did we not learn anything? Like, this actually happened to me before, too. Like, there was someone behind me at a theater. They're like, I'm like, dude, are you kidding me? Like, what? What was the last two years of our life? I don't think he was coughing. The same guy behind you. Butthead. I mean, I just look. I guess sometimes you know, hey, you got a kernel of popcorn stuck in your throat. That, it, that's fine. But like, he literally, kept coughing. when I hear somebody sniffling and coughing like the whole way through, it's like, I get it, asshole. You want to see this movie? You couldn't have waited another week. I, I know that. There, I, I honestly, I don't think movie theaters should become overly secure. But honestly, I think if a movie theater sees somebody coming in, blowing their nose, coughing and wheezing, they should say, you know what? We're not letting you in today. <laughs> Here's a refund. Come back next week when you're not a walking Petri dish, but whatever. <laughs> all right. What's next? Louise Enrique, you all look great today. Where are the Ted Lasso mustache and hair, John? It was falling off. Jonathan would make a better Ted Lasso or Omni-Man. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, I was wearing the mustache for the first half of the show. The problem is the glue eventually the glue eventually wore off and it was just falling off. Mm-hmm. So I had to move. And then I had the hat. I had the oh. visor hat. But it was like child size, nah. and I wasn't able to get it on yeah. my head. So that's why I didn't uh, I didn't complete out the look. All right, what's next? Next, Xander. The first six seasons of Game of Thrones all released one year after each season. They should be able to plan and release every year. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they really should. If you could do it for Game of Thrones with the advancement of technology, and you've got all that work that you've already done, you know exactly what the workflow is. Now, you're dealing with some new technologies, but the new technologies are actually saving you time. They should be able to do that. Again, I cut them more slack because nobody knew how well-received this season was going to be. Like, honestly, even I had doubts going into it that people were going to give it a shot or that it could live up to its namesake. But it did, because Rob, I remember you and I having a chat a couple months before it came out, and we were like, are people going to give this a shot? Well, I think that's part of it, too. It wasn't renewed right away. Yes. You know, and they had to wait and see. Obviously, um, Miguel uh, Sapochnik, has, he left as showrunner, so it's now Ryan Condal has taken over, but he co-created the show, so it's not a big deal. But yeah, I think that's something also people don't remember, is that this is an incredibly expensive show. It's a big investment on HBO's part, and they didn't know if people were going to watch and they still weren't uh, up until the end. Even even everyone, the curiosity of the first episode, big numbers. 
But this consistently became a monster hit. So now HBO was like, okay, because if they're going to invest, they're not just going to invest in two seasons. They're going or one season more. They're going to do two, three, four. They're going to yeah. decide. So they're going to plan. So this isn't just one season. This is moving into the rest of the entirety of the show. So you, you and I, I think we agree. We think the same thing here. We're going to have to wait till twenty twenty four for the next season. But we are probably going to get season three one year later. Yes, because they'll be prepared for it. I agree. All right, what's next? Next up, Al Renshaw. Over under 40%, we get a Superman movie announcement before the end of the year. I think there's a 25% chance we get a Superman announcement by the end of day tomorrow. Ooh. Or the end of the week. Or by the end of the week. Yeah, like I, I really think there's a solid chance we get an announcement tomorrow. Now, that is just to be clear. That is no insider information. I can already see other websites quoting me. John Campion says that uh, there's going to be a Superman. No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm just guessing. I'm speculating. But... I honestly think there is a legitimate shot. We're going to get that announcement tomorrow by the end of the week. And it's something that's been planned for a while. Yeah, I agree. All right, what's next? Next up, Ryan. We were thinking that in the next Witcher season, Geralt could have had a mustache. Henry Cavill <laughs> runs and jumps out a window like the cowardly lion. <laughs> I'm all for it. Like, listen, I want to see more of that mustache. I know everybody was upset about the mustache. I want to see more. I think from now on, Henry Cavill should have a full mustache. And in everything he's in, they have to CG it out. Oh, it was just so complete, creepy. Just I like complete it. the look. Oh, so, like oh no, the CGI so removal, though. Oh, okay. Like, that just looked oh, wrong. Oh, no, the mustache yeah. looks great. Yeah. But, yeah. but CGing the mustache yeah. out. because oh, like the, yeah. the one. And the movie opened with that. Yes. It opened with that. With a close-up of his face. I, I mean, it just didn't work at all. Nope. Yeah. But hey, contracts are contracts. What mm -hmm. are you going to do? Paramount wouldn't, wouldn't let him shave. All right, what's next? Goodness. Stubble McShave, how perfect. I found out there's only two people in the world who has won an Oscar and Nobel Prize, George Bernard Shaw and Bob Dylan. Seems harder than getting an EGOT. Well, like, yes, yeah. but the Nobel Prize is kind of a different thing. Yeah. yeah I mean, with the EGOT, it's all performance art awards yeah. and stuff like that. So I, you're right. That is a definitely more exclusive club, but I, I would also suggest it's probably a little bit different, but it's actually a really good fun factoid you just pointed out. Mm -hmm. Thanks for that, Stubble. Appreciate that man all right what's next uh thomas hi john and team did you see that severance season two started filming and added a slew of new cast members including gwendolyn christie how exciting i love the show the oh. show is so good oh. and the finale you know what it was a perfect kind of finale because it was a big cliffhanger but it didn't just feel like the end of another episode it felt like a season finale yeah. at the same time right a lot of shows botch that they they just they make the ending of a season just feel like I would have sworn there was going to be another episode next week. This felt definitively like wrapping up one stage of the journey, but it was a huge cliffhanger. They did it beautifully. Listen, I'm going to admit, I almost tapped out of this show after the first episode or two. Yeah. It, it, it it this one this was wow. a show that took a couple of episodes. I only kept watching it because Anne wanted to keep watching it. Otherwise, I probably would have tapped out. But after episode three, that's when I was like, okay, now I'm feeling what they're doing. Now, again, I don't think shows, I don't think we as audiences should be expected to hang around a show for three or four episodes for it to get good. I think it's your responsibility of the show to capture our imaginations right away. But this is one of those ones that I'm, I'm glad I stuck around with it because it got so good. And Adam Scott, man, it, it's, I think this guy has been a treasure for ages. Yes. And I think this is finally the show that's going to make people appreciate him more. And Christopher Walken, he's in it too. Oh, Christopher <laughs> Walken is like with such a different guy. Like him and John. Um, uh, uh, oh, yeah. The guy from um, the Big Lebowski. Falcone. 
Oh, yeah. Turturro. Thank you. Turturro, thank you. Oh, John Turturro, yeah. The scenes with him and Turturro together are so good. Anyway, yeah, very excited. Really excited to see Gwendolyn Christie in there as well. All right, what's next? Corey Hensley, bummed out by his by this Witcher news. I'm grateful he's back as soups, but I enjoy Geralt more. And let's be real, the stability at WB is tenuous at best. I think you're absolutely wrong about that. I think that stability at WB right now is far more enforced than you think it is. Um, and I think it is far in a far better position, a far healthier position than it is today than it was a year ago. Uh, that's just me. But the reality of this is also, you got to take in consideration that while I'm sad to hear that Henry's no longer going to be Geralt, let's be, this is Netflix. This show wasn't going to be around much longer anyway. I mean, that, that's just the reality of it, yeah. right? It, it, the show wasn't going to be around that much longer anyway. So while it kind of sucks, Hey, we still got a full season of him as Geralt coming up. And then we'll have a fourth and probably final season because, again, this is already getting a fourth season. That's already longer than the Netflix average. So, you know, I'll, I'll take solace in that. All right. What's next? Next, Ben Rayner. Hey oh, guys. sends in $20. Thanks, Thank ben. you, Ben. Oh, wow, Appreciate thanks. that, man. Hey, guys. Happy Halloween. I was thinking about something since Deadpool 3. Over and under 25% Nick Fury shows up at end at the end if Deadpool in MCU and Fury says Mother Fury. Ever? Yes, Nick Fury shows up at the end. Um, no. No, I don't see Nick Fury showing up in Deadpool 3. Although that would be a great place to put him. And if he can show up in that god-awful Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show, then I'm sure he's open to showing up. But I, I don't think we're going to see Nick Fury in uh, Deadpool 3. What do you think? Probably not. <laughs> no? Probably not. Because Nick Fury's got his own problems. Yeah. Mm. Nope, Chris, you either? I don't think so. But my parents had a one-eyed dog named Nick, Nick Fury. So oh! I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's next? <laughs> Soothius, y'all got any cabinets or curiosities? I bet Mr. B does. Lots of great talent, stories of greed, delusion, vanity, deception, grief, etc. Enjoyed it. I watched 10 minutes of one of the chapters last night, mm. and I can't remember the name of the guy. Uh, what's the show with Rob McElhenney about the, the video game creators? What's it called? Mythic Epic Quest. Quest, right. So it's the... The guy from Epic Quest, the guy who's the writer okay. in Epic Quest, it's his episode. And I really liked what I saw, but I didn't even realize it was it had dropped already. So I've only seen about 10 or 15 minutes of one of the chapters. I like what I've seen so far. Rob, have you had a chance to watch I watched of it? Lot, lot 39. It's Lot 39. It's good. I mean, I'm really looking, because I love horror anthologies, and it's so beautifully done. I can't wait to watch the rest. Have I, you had a chance to watch any of this, Chris? No, Logan's going to watch it first and tell me if I can watch it. Oh, because there is I'm some a big, big eye wimp violence. and there's eye stuff. Yeah, we saw throw in the up. trailer some big eye violence. Oh, I'll yeah. just puke everywhere. He took his contacts out in front of me last night and I was like, oh, I just can't deal with it. <laughs> All right. What's next? Sean Ryder. I know Tony Gilroy said he didn't really want much fan service, but do you think we could get a Krenetic or Palpatine? Krenic. Oh, sorry, Krenic or Palpatine appearance in Andor season one or two? Well, for sure getting Palpatine. Um, Palpatine, we, we talked about this before. Palpatine would make sense, yeah. uh, especially with everything going on on Coruscant. So it you could put Palpatine in there and it absolutely would not be fan service because... There is a lot going on about the government, the rebellion against the government. He is the government. We've got Senator Mon Mothma, and she's, they've mentioned Palpatine. So him popping in there would be organic. So I can see that. Krennic, no. Why? 
because according to the Star Wars canon right now, the Rebels don't even find out about the Death Star for another five years, right? They're at, so what would be the point of showing Krennic, who's overseeing the construction of the Death Star and all that kind of stuff, what's the point of showing him when, you know, Andor doesn't know about it, Luthan doesn't know about it, Mon Mothma does like none of them know about it. So there would really be no point of it. So Palpatine, I could see that. Krennic, I don't see why why on earth he would be there. That would be strict fan service, and I don't think Gilroy will do that. All right, what's next? Next, A. Marcellus. I saw the deluxe edition of Batman The Long Halloween yesterday, a whole two hours and 48 minutes. Your boy Jensen has a good Batman voice. Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah, he does. And against my better judgment, I got talked into watching it. Hmm. It's not good. It's not good. I, I, I mean, again, there are, again, there are some exceptions, but I'm just totally as big of a DC and Marvel fan as I am. I am constantly surprised by just how bad their animated stuff is. They're, they're particularly their straight to home video animated stuff. As, now, there are some exceptions. There are definitely some exceptions that are, are quite good for on both Marvel and DC side. But I just find most, most of DC's straight to home video stuff is absolutely drivelish garbage. I mean, and I mean that whole heart. I think it's just absolute trash. Well, with a few exceptions, with a few exceptions. But uh, did you see this one? The I haven't seen it. We were just talking about it on on uh, the the comic. Yeah. On on, on Weekly Hero. Weekly Hero. But yeah. I have not seen the. I, I mean, I want to see it. If only to see how the animation style looks. Did they did they lean into Tim Sale's look? All right. What's next? Um, Next, Deidler had a feeling Ray was out over his foot. John was always on him about it. Yeah, I was always for a month and a half until Ray go to the doctors, get the foot. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Well, now we've got our own very Viserys. But again, I'm not I forgot. We haven't shared exactly what's going on with Ray. I will let Ray let you guys know about it once he gets back in. And he'll he'll be back soon. Ray will be back soon, but uh, not over the next couple of days. All right. What's next? Next, Sam Fisher. I don't think William Jackson, Har William Jackson Harper is playing Reed Richards. I think he could be playing Adam Bashir, a.k.a. Blue Marvel, though. Nah, I, I don't. If I, first of all, I don't think he's a good fit for that role. Um, number two, I don't see why on earth that he would get introduced in Ant-Man and the Wasp. I don't really see that connection. So it, listen, the 95% chance it's just some random character. It's it's not any of them, most likely. So it's probably not Reed Richards. It's probably not uh, any recognizable big name IP person. So it's probably just some random guy. All right, what's next? Next, El Renshaw. Love the costumes on the crew. Where Where's the Nate to Campia's Ted Lasso? I almost thought about, when I knew I was going to do the Ted Lasso thing, and again, my mustache fell off. And when I knew he was going to do the Ted Lasso, I almost I thought about calling Taylor to tell him to look up and and uh, research Nate so he could dress up as Nate. But then it would just make me angry the whole time. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. Nate Nate's is the, the one character on television that I really think needs to die, like really, <laughs> really yeah. fleshy eating disease of the anus die, oh, like whoa. horribly, horribly. I hate that guy. That guy mm. needs to die so bad. Okay. <laughs> anyway, what's next? <laughs> Ryan Cleary. 
Hi, John and, and crew. Happy Halloween. I saw All Quiet on the Western Front and Banshees of Inishirin in yesterday, and they are now my top two movies of the year. Have you seen them yet? I didn't even know uh, Western Front was out yet. When did that come out? Uh, Friday, I think, and it's. I, it's, I thought it was coming out for another couple of weeks. It's Germany's official submission to the Academy Awards. Ah, uh, okay. It's, by the way, incredible. Well, I know what I'm doing a little bit later today. It's <laughs> incredible. Yeah, I've been dying. So you had a chance to sit. Down I and watched watch the it. whole thing because I remember we watched the trailer for it and we were like, "Oh my god, this looks it's, great!" You know, I and I was listening to a story. There was a story on NPR about it on Saturday about how they added some things. I didn't realize that the original movie and the original book was banned by the Nazis in 1930 when they were when it was coming up and um, because war is good <laughs> yeah that it, it, Not that. It, it the movie is just it's a horror movie wow somebody wrote about it being a horror movie it's absolutely a horror movie it's it's incredible it was way better than I thought it was gonna be all right what's next next up the Batman hello I feel like black oh by Adam's... the way the Batman put in like a fifty dollar oh. super chat thank you thank you so much Bruce I appreciate that very much man the Batman says, I feel like Black Adam's release date could have been handled way better. Releasing right next to Black Panther and to Halloween weekend wasn't the greatest strategy, in my opinion. It is a questionable yeah, release date. I agree. I mean, look, at the end of the day, you can't blame a release date for whatever. But it was odd. Like Halloween weekend's always soft, too. Yeah, it, it is. It's traditionally soft. You've got... Black Panther coming out like two weeks after it. So you're limiting the kind of legs you, you can possibly have. And not to mention, there has been nothing coming out this year. Like ever since Thor Love and Thunder, which was in July, you had like a massive window. You could have dropped this movie anytime. Or you put it after Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Like I, I, I am very curious about the rationale behind that particular release date for it. I don't think it's the definitive reason why it's not doing as well as some people thought it could, but it certainly didn't help. They didn't help themselves with it. All right, that's a good point, Batman. Good, well brought up. And again, thank you so much for supporting us on that level, man. That's incredibly generous of you. All right, what's next? All right, James Argentina. Oh, Matt Sanders. Oh, Matt Sanders. Thank you so much. Thank you, Matt. Send in a twenty dollars super just to be supportive. Thank you, man. All right. So James, with more locations like Winterfell, more fights to film, and new characters like Craig and Stark, his sister Sarah Snow. I understand the wait for House of the Dragon. Every TV show adds new locations and new characters. That to me, that that is not a valid excuse. Every TV show has new characters. We just talked about Severance season two. They just added a whole bunch of new characters. We're probably now we're outside of the office. There's a, there's other locations and stuff like that. Now, granted, this, Severance is not House of the Dragon. I get it. That that's fine. But it's a year. It's still mostly you're still shooting at King's Landing. You've got all your CGI models built. You, all the dragon models are completely built and textured and all that kind of stuff. They're boned. They're everything so no oh you're adding new characters well that's gonna add eight months of no it's not no it's not it's it's really not an excuse but i that's just my take on it all right what's next next james germain hey john i've been awake since the breaking of the first silence since then i've had many names what a line i don't even know what we're talking about that is sauron yeah oh well there you go mm -hmm. yes <laughs> Um, is that something he says in the finale there when he's talking to, um, to Gladriel to Gladriel? Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what, I did like that scene a lot. Um, I didn't think the finale was as good as the second last episode. Same. I, yeah. I, I didn't think, but I, 
But that scene, I'll tell you what, I, I did like that scene a lot. And I love the forging of the rings and, and all that kind of stuff. But that, that moment was a highlight to me of that particular episode. Again, didn't finish as strong. I thought the previous episode would have been a better end, but that scene was pretty damn good. All right, what's next? Next, James Germain. Oh, already read that one. So Rob Buck didn't get to say this Friday, best Marvel DC crossover is Batman and Daredevil. Love seeing Matt against Scarecrow. Are you, wait, was there a comic yeah. crossover? That, I don't recall that one. What happened in that one? Do you know? Uh, I didn't read it. <laughs> I've never read that comic. I didn't. I didn't even know that. I'll be honest. I didn't even know that one existed. That's interesting. Thanks for. I'm, now I'm going to be. It's curious no to Batman Grendel. All right, or Batman versus Predator. All there right, go. what's next? <laughs> All right, so Max. Finkel, thank you for your super chat. That's it. All right, guys. Well, then that'll do it for this installment, our Halloween edition of the John Campy Show. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those super chats, number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved with the John Campy Show, thank you guys so very much for your support. Guys, remember, if you're going to go out and have some fun tonight, make sure you do so responsibly. You don't want to hurt anybody around you. So, uh, yeah, be smart, guys. Please be smart. And another smart thing to do is subscribe to this channel. Make sure you click the thumbs up button on the video. Leave a few comments below. And we'll look forward to seeing you on the John Campy Show again tomorrow. A couple of reminders. Number one, we got a new episode of Weekly Hero coming out a little bit later tonight. Also, today at 3 p.m. Los Angeles time, we've got an episode of Open Mic. We hope you guys will come and join us for that. So, for everybody in the room, ladies and gentlemen, the wonderful Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. We've got Chris Carr over here. Taylor back there in the corner. Of course, running the show today, Jonathan Voico and Kaylee Robinson as well. My name's John Campy, guys. Thanks a lot for being here. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.